Okay, guys. Hello, and welcome back. We've been gone for a while. If we have. But, if but we're back now. <laughs> we're back. Um, we think we got things figured out. We're going to try, again, some new formatting, but this time it's actually going to be a little different. We're going to be trying to be more diligent, I guess you can say, now that we're, we've decided that we want to focus more on this, and we'd like to try to build our brand. Yes, yes. What the spook. So if you can share our podcast with your family and friends, that'd be awesome. Family, friends, strangers you meet on the street, don't go anywhere with them, but you can talk to them. So don't go anywhere with them. Because you die. Um, <laughs> share it with coworkers on social media pages. Follow our social media pages. And yeah, we will. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say we will put in as much effort as everybody else does, but I didn't really want to say that. <laughs> But yes, we are. I don't. I think we've decided that we're not going to delete our old episode. Maybe like one or two where we don't like the quality of it. But with the audio, we're trying some new things to make sure the audio is nice and clear for you guys. Yeah, because we, with it being the middle of a global pandemic, we can't always in the middle of summer where we're both stupidly busy. We can't always record in the same locations a lot of times we have to use zoom which i like a lot better already yeah if we can figure, figure out how to, how to yeah figure out how to use it it's a little confusing i think it took us like 10 minutes to get on this meeting but we're figuring it out <laughs> we said that at the same time <laughs> but yeah without further ado this is a brand new what the spook spooky and also I'm Holly and I'm Casey we're still we're still us (laughs) (laughs) okay so I figure maybe we can start with some recommendations and since we are a podcast let's start with our favorite podcast recommendations right now Killer Queens. Ooh, that's a good one. My personal favorites right now are um, Very Presidential with Ashley Flowers. I just listened to her JFK episode. It's really good. And Park Predators, which is a park cast um, production. Those are both really good. And of course, Morbid. Oh, yeah, I like it's always. Park Predator, the audio chuck, not Parcast. <laughs> but Morbid is always going to be number one in my heart. Same. They are what inspired us. Yes. So, they are. without further ado, we will introduce you to our new format we are using today, in which we each have a case to tell you. So, two cases. 
And yeah, Casey. And we. What? Okay. Yeah, I think you were explaining it, but yeah, um, <laughs> I'm gonna do a case that Holly has not researched. So it's gonna be me telling her the case, and then she's gonna do a case telling me about a case I haven't researched. Yeah. And I think for future episodes, we might not tell each other what case we're doing. Like, sure. I mean, we'll make like a list. Each of us will have a separate list and we'll pick off it so we make sure we don't do the same case. But I think that'd be fun. So we think something new. Yeah, it's going to be different. And I think it's going to be a little bit more exciting for us because we get to learn about cases while we're doing the podcast. And that's what got us interested in podcasts in the first place. So, Casey, do you want to start us out or do you want me to? You go first. <laughs> okay. So, my episode today, or my case today, is on the Velisca Axe murders. Um, this was a pretty brutal case. And in the end... It would end up with two adults and thick children being bludgeoned to death. So, trigger warning, it got children dying in it. Oh no. I know. On Sunday evening, June 9, 1912, Joe and Sarah Moore took their children, who is Herman Moore, age 11, Catherine, age 10, Boyd, age seven, and Paul, age five. And can we just appreciate the name Boyd for a moment? (laughs) (laughs) But they took them and two neighbor children, Lena, age 12, and Ina Dillinger, both of them were Dillingers and Ina was eight. They took them to a children's day service at the church, Presbyterian church they went to. Sarah was the co-director of the program, and the children performed little speeches and citations along with the rest of the Sunday school members. Then after service ended, there was some social mingling, like you usually find after church. And then around 9.30, the family went home, enjoyed milk and cookies, and then went to bed. The next day, Mary Peckham, an elderly neighbor, called Joe's brother Ross around 7 a.m. after being concerned over the fact that the Moore house looked like it was deserted, which usually with four children of their own, it's pretty rambunctious, even in the morning at seven. Ross showed up to the house, got there around eight, and he went inside to have a look around. Downstairs in the first bedroom he went into, he found two figures covered in a sheet in the back bedroom with blood on the butt on the bed frame, and he immediately left to call the marshal Henry Hank Horton. Hank arrived around 8.30 and found... As he said, somebody murdered in every bed. He also found the partially cleaned murder weapon leaned against the wall of a downstairs bedroom where Ina and Lena were found. And get this, leaning against the wall next to the act, there is a four pound slab of bacon. Why was there bacon? <laughs> That's kind of weird. I know, like, who does that? We're just gonna half-ass clean this act, put it against the wall, then put like this gigantic slab of bacon we took out of their fridge against the wall beside it. I mean, I really like bacon, but... Bacon and murder uh, don't go well together. <laughs> no, that would not be... First of all, I would never kill anybody, but if I were, that wouldn't be something I would choose to grab out of the fridge after just killing everybody. 
if I did, I'd take it home and cook it for myself. I wouldn't just lean it against the wall where I just murdered two young girls in the bed that they, you know, they weren't even their kids. They were just staying the night. That's really fucked up. <laughs> I know. But also, which something really weird about the crime scene is all the mirrors in the house and the glass and like the entryway doors, they were all covered by pieces of clothing that the killer went through the house and found. What? So maybe That's a vampire? No, vampire. Don't do bacon. So did he have like a mental, or the killer have like a mental breakdown? Ooh, we will get to that in one of the suspects. Ooh, but okay. <laughs> in the kitchen, there was a plate of uneaten food and a bowl of bloody water. Like the killer had washed his hands in the water. Right. Um, the victims were all found in their beds with their heads covered by bedclothes. All of their skulls have been hit 20 to 30 times with the blunt end of an axe um, to the point where they're unrecognizable. Like, their faces were reduced to bloody pulps. Um, it was Wait, so he used, or the killer used the end of the axe, or the... He used, like, you know how an axe has, like, a sharp end and then it has kind of, like, a blunt side? Yeah. He used the blunt side. Oh. Which don't make sense. You think that you'd want to use the sharp end, right? If you were trying to kill somebody? That's what I would assume somebody would do with an axe. Right? But anyway, <laughs> it was determined that Joe and Sarah were killed first, which makes sense. Like, if you want to, if you want to massacre a family, you should probably start kind of getting into the litter box. <laughs> if you want to massacre a family, you should probably start with the bigger adults that are going to be able to fight back a little better. And the, um, in the ceiling, on the ceiling of the parents' bedroom and the upstairs bedrooms, their ceiling, they all had gouge marks from the axe being swung upwards. So that just kind of tells you, like, how wildly the guy was swinging the axe at the victim while they lay in bed. Right. Well, you think, like, after you do the first blow, that person's gonna be, like, aware Right, so he's probably he have to do it pretty quickly after one another. Right, which I mean, it kind of makes you wonder, like, how did the kids not wake up, or how did he must have got the parents pretty quickly to have them not wake up and alert the kids, you know, since they were probably sleeping side by side. You would still think that would make noise because I'm sure, like, an axe hitting your head would make some kind of noise. Ew. I'm just assuming. <laughs> we're, really hitting, we're hitting the ceiling, like, that's gonna make some noise. But, um, there was some question about whether or not Lena, the neighbor girl, had been sexually assaulted, because her nightgown had been pushed up, and she was exposed. But doctors <laughs> later determined that she had not been sexually assaulted, and that the gown had likely been pushed up during some type of struggle, since she had blood on her knee and an alleged defensive wound on her arm. Okay. Yeah, Lena was the 12-year-old neighbor girl. So, that brings us to a victim, or a victim, definitely not victim, one of the suspects, which was probably their best suspect they had, Reverend Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, that's, that's a name, but Kelly was the son and grandson of English ministers, 
and he has suffered a mental breakdown as an adolescent. He immigrated to America with his wife in 1904 and had preached at a Methodist church in North, well, Methodist churches across North Dakota, Minnesota, Kansas, and Iowa. He had been assigned as a visiting minister to several small communities north of Aliska, which is in Iowa. Not sure if I said that. But he developed a reputation for being weird. And he was also convicted of sending obscene material through the mail and had spent time in a mental hospital. I can't really find mm. like, what obscene material he sent. But I porn? don't really think I want to know. I would just assume porn. When I hear that, I think porn. Yeah, <laughs> I right? I think something nasty. But, so Kelly had arrived in Bliska on the day of the murders, and he watched a Thunder School performance by the Stillinger Girl before he left early Monday morning. Um, he left up, he was on a train at 519 on a train headed west, and he allegedly told fellow travelers that there were eight dead souls back in Melissa, Iowa, so that they were butchered in their beds while they slept. At that point, though, it's 519, the bodies had not been found at that point. So... He, so he, told, he told somebody that there was dead bodies? Yep, eight dead bodies in Velika that have been butchered in their sleep. Huh. Which, I mean, butchered kind of goes along with the act and the slab of bacon, right? I would, I would say so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he actually returned to Velika two weeks later. And he joined a tour of the house with a group of investigators while he was posing as a detective from Scotland Yard. What the fuck? I know. He's definitely guilty. It's like, Scotland Yard, are you fucking kidding me? Like, how dumb are you? But he had an accent, I'm assuming, so. Because he was from England. So, he first hit the authorities' radar, though, after he sent rambling letters to recipients. Or, <laughs> he sent rambling letters to people, and the people who received the letters were like, yo, police people, these are fucking weird. You might want to look into him. He was indicted for Lena murdered and was inter- interrogated while in jail, waiting for trial. Um, August 31st at 7 a.m., he signed a confession to the murder. He said, God had spoken to him with Bryn to suffer the children to come unto me. Hmm. Creepy. Creepy. He recanted his confession at trial, however, and his case went to the jury on September 26th. The jury deadlocked 11 to 1 for acquittal. A second jury was immediately impaneled, but they acquitted Kelly in November. So he was kind of hmm. released back out into the world after that. I'm assuming they didn't have like an unreasonable doubt no. that he killed her no but unfortunately which i believe they only indicted him for one because if that failed and then they could prove that he did another one or he they could prove they found more evidence or whatever they could try him for say ina murder and then he could still be convicted but if they tried all of them at once and it failed and they can't do it again i believe yeah, that's how it is. If they get acquitted once, they can't get retrial. Or if it's a mistrial, even, they can't get yeah. retrial for that same thing. Because that'd be what... Which no I think... But, yeah, so no one else has ever been tried for the murders. 
Um, another suspect was a guy named Frank Jones, who was a local businessman who had been in competition with Joe. And Frank had actually worked for Joe for seven years before he left and started his own rival business. There was also a rumor saying Joe was having an affair with Frank's daughter-in-law, which so the affairs were never, or the rumors were never proven. But everybody in the town said that they had a deep hatred for each other and like kind of a whole family rivalry, rival, rivalry. Um, rivalry. I just, <laughs> I just broke. I think I just had a stroke. But yeah, whatever Casey just said. But they didn't, nobody saw why that would be a reason for murder. So to this day, the house still stands as it was. Like the layout still the same. Pretty sure the furniture still the same. It's never been sold. For the horror that occurred in Villisca, Iowa. Wow, I can't believe nobody's living in the house. Would you want to live in that house? Kind of. <laughs> you want to live in a murder house? I just want to go to one. Don't you think it'd be cool to go to a murder house? Not maybe live in it, but just go. I want to go stay in the Lizzie Borden house like Ash and Elena did. That would be cool. Be creepy, but it'd be cool. Can we do that for my bachelorette party someday? Yeah. <laughs> we can. Yeah. That'd be cool. That would, I mean, yeah, we might have to go to a spa after and, like, take some pros out to relax, but hey, it'd be fun. Yeah. It would be fun. <laughs> I am down. Okay. What do you have for me? Okay. So... My case I picked is about Robert William Fisher. He Ooh. is currently wanted by the FBI and is the top 10 wanted fugitive. Oh, shit. Top 10? Top 10. There's actually a 100000 reward out for his <laughs> arrest. What? Just saying, guys. So listen up. If you really want $100,000 and you know this guy, turn him in. Or, you know, let's just, like... Stay alive. Well, that too. Do not confront the guy. Just call the hotline. <laughs> yeah, call the hotline and keep an eye on him, but not like so obviously that he sees you and he's like, I'm going to kill you too, bitches. So there is a couple FBI notes that they have listed about him. Robert was born on April 13th, 1961 in Brooklyn, New York. Dude. He has brown hair, blue eyes. He's six foot tall, 190 pounds ish, and he is called. Caucasian. He does have surgical scars on his lower back and he in the past was a surgical catheter tech, respiratory therapist, and a fireman. And he became a uh, killer? Yeah and this guy killed his whole family. Just I'm just gonna say he killed his whole family. Oh yeah that kind of our theme for today by the way. Family killers. Yes. Um, they did say that he is physically fit. He loves the outdoors and hunting and fishing. He does have a gold crown on his upper tooth, which is super noticeable. He chews tobacco heavily, and he also has ties to Florida and New Mexico. But do not confront him because they do think he is tied to have weapons, including a high-powered power rifle. Ooh, that's awesome. Yes, those are some items that are missing in his house. 
So Robert is wanted for allegedly killing his wife and two kids in Scottsdale, Arizona on April 2001. After the murders, he it made their house explode, a huge explosion by cutting the gas line on their furnace. So I'm just gonna start with early life, Robert. His father was named William Fisher and he was a banker. His mother is Jan Howell. He has two sisters and his parents divorced in 1976. Supposedly, Robert took the divorce not so well and had long lasting effect on him. He had a lot of issues because of his parents' marriage. Um, when Robert was working at the Mayo Clinic Hospital, which I kind of find interesting, he worked there. Yeah, Mayo Clinic. Yeah. Wow. He told his coworkers that if his mom didn't leave his family, his life would have been totally different. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine that. So Robert was a Navy veteran and he married his wife in 1987. Her name is Mary Cooper. Um, unfortunately, Robert was described as a cruel, distant control freak as a father. That's no good. No, I guess he was very awkward with his children and he tried to hold on to a image as a devoted father, although many friends and family saw right through that and knew that he was a control freak and was not very close with his children. Jenny Cooper, his mother-in-law, told investigators that Robert didn't socialize with family because of the fear of getting close and then being left or losing them, which a psychologist said many children who have parents who get divorced when they are young have this issue in life. They're afraid yeah. of being left. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I I would probably be like that too. If my parents yeah, got for real. Luckily, neither of us had to deal with that. No, we got very blessed with that. So Robert's mother told investigators that she was a yes sir wife that never stood up to her husband, which screw that. If your husband's doing something shitty, then you need to stand up. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've yelled back at Taylor when he... I guess Taylor never really yells at, yells at me, but, like, if he even takes the tone with me, I'm like, Excuse you? <laughs> I'm like, are you talking to me? Yeah, so his mother said that she saw a lot of similarities in Robert's marriage and also talked to her daughter-in-law about her concerns with her being a yester wife to Robert. So that's Robert's own mother saying that Robert and Mary did not have a very good marriage. Yeah, that's bad of the mother-in-law saying that. Right. I guess Robert and Mary um, went to their church pastor for marriage counseling. And Robert actually was an active member of the Scottsdale Baptist Church. But several months before the murders, he began to withdraw. He told co-workers about a one-night stand with a prostitute that he met at a massage parlor. <laughs> okay. 
which I would find very odd, but I know it happens. I mean, didn't it happen in Kinderville? Didn't that lady get arrested for like prostitution mm-hmm. at the Kinderville massage area or whatever? Yeah, the one right behind Don Chico's. Yeah. So I guess it does happen. Yeah, we didn't even know that there was a happy ending massage parlor basically right behind my favorite Mexican restaurant. Uh, right behind it. And did you see that lady's mugshot? She was like 90. Oh my god, yeah, she was old. I forgot about that. Yeah, like the ringleader of the process. I guess the pimp daddy or pimp mama. <laughs> pimp mama. She was, um, she's pretty old. But hey, get it, girl. Yeah. Maybe go somewhere where it's legal and get it. So, so after he had the affair with the prostitute, he began telling the co-workers that he was afraid his wife was going to find out because he got a very, very bad UTI that left him ill for days oh. in November 2000. Wonder without... Wow. So I guess he had a very like paranoid personality on top of being controlling, which is not good. Not good. <laughs> not at all. So Robert told his hunting friend that he wanted to renew his commitment to his faith and his marriage and could not live without them. So he was suggesting that he was showing signs that he was having issues mentally and needed his marriage to work out. Yeah. Well, even though he had this intense fear of loss, Mary actually told her close friends that she wanted a divorce, and on April 9th, 10 hours before the house blew up, neighbors heard Mary and Robert fighting very loudly around 10.30 p.m. I'm assuming she probably told Robert at this time that she wanted to leave him. Yep, and she turned from a yes sir to a no sir. And then that's when he had his mental break and decided to shoot Mary in the back of her head and then cut his children's throats from ear to ear. Yeah. While they were sleeping in their beds. How old were they? Okay. His Mary was 38 years old. His son Bobby was 10 years old and his daughter Brittany was 12 years old. Oh. I mean, at least they were sleeping, but I just couldn't imagine like cutting your children's necks ear to ear like that's the woman that you had the kids with and you loved at one point like right which I watched this video on YouTube about this case and um the investigator was like basically shooting Mary in the back of the head was a big fuck you yeah That's, that's like his exact words I was like damn which is really horrible yeah because she was trying to she wanted to start a new life without having the marriage issues right and when she finally stood up for herself things got very bad so around 8 42 a.m um their house was exploded oh i guess neighbors felt their walls like vibrate and it was just like a huge explosion because if you know like natural gas if you you know if you cut that gas line it's gonna cause a huge explosion right that'd be terrifying yeah investigators knew right away that 
this was a murder because they found the body. Even though it was a huge explosion, the bodies weren't burned badly enough, and the investigators could tell it it was a homicide. So Robert was the reason why Robert's a subject suspect is because well of course he didn't die he was at the home they could not find him they found his car his um forerunner in these woods that he always went hunting at and his dog blue was found running around his car so he took his in the house he took his but think about it he killed his family and then took the family dog with him at least the dog wasn't in the house, though. But he killed his children, but left the dog? I like, know. I'm a huge dog lover. Like, anybody knows, like, I love my dogs. But, but uh, thinking about, like, he killed his wife and two kids. But he had a loved favorite dog. But took his dog with him. I mean, yeah, no, that's horrible. Like, thank God Blue survived because Blue was left there. They think the car was left there for days and Blue was just out in the woods by himself. Aww. He was basically guarding the vehicle when they found him. So the night before the explosion, there's actually a video at an ATM of Robert taking out $280 out of their bank account, which $280 isn't going to get you very far. Yeah, that's that seems like such a random amount, like. Right. And authorities think one of the reasons why they couldn't catch him <laughs> is because he had a 12-hour start ahead of them. Um, so the woods that his vehicle was found, there's actually an Indian reservation just about a mile away from the vehicle. And nobody ever searched this reservation for Robert. Because well, do they even have jurisdiction to search on that though? That's the thing they don't have it. It's like because it's like you know Indian reservations have their own laws and stuff. Yep, and their own jurisdiction and stuff. So they never were able to search that for Robert. So they don't know if he's either there. He went there and then able able to leave the state after that, or if he hid in a cave because I guess there's a lot of caves in those woods. A couple actually saw a man who looked just like Robert walking along the highway, which is interesting. They did call that tip in, but nothing, I guess nothing really came of it. They couldn't find the man walking. Really? Yeah. Like, how long? You think if they called a tip in and you get there, you're going to see him walking along the highway somewhere because that doesn't, probably won't take too long to get there and you can't get very far walking very fast. That's what I would think too, but... I don't know if my sentence just made any sense, but <clears throat> you got what I meant. Well, yeah, he's been missing ever since. They can't find him. They think maybe he left the state. Maybe he left the country. I don't know. They had a tip of a guy in Canada who resembled him, had the same scars on his back, same missing tooth, looked just like him, same build, same height. But his fingertips, his fingerprints did not match Robert's fingerprints. So, really? 
That's they weird. Kind of, they ruled him out. They said it's a different person altogether, even though he had the exact same scars, exact same tooth, same facial. Yeah, his face isn't really super distinct, but it's distinct enough that you would, you know, after taking a close look, you'd be like, oh, yep, that's him. Right. I just think it's crazy that he had all the same similarities, but his fingerprints ruled him out. Which I watched a video about that, and supposedly you can't change your fingerprints. So I guess yeah, I don't, you can bleach them off or burn them off, but I don't burn. think you can change them. Yeah. So this guy is still on the loose, and he is wanted. So hopefully we never run into him. I hope he gets caught caught someday. A lot of people think he's actually dead. Yeah, I can think maybe he crawled into one of the caves and died. Yeah, a lot of people think he went out there to commit suicide. Because a lot of these guys who kill their families, they end up killing themselves. I think I read about 83% of the guys that do this kind of stuff, they end up killing themselves right after the murders. Yeah, so they think that's why his car and his dog, Blue, were left behind. But the investigators seem to think that he is still alive. And he's somewhere in the world, I guess, with a whole new identity and living his life. I don't know which one of those is scarier. I know. I guess he was like, I mean, he wasn't like totally normal. He always had control issues, but he was like a decently normal person. He had no records or anything. Never been in the law. His wife just wanted a divorce and he snapped. And he has a history of, you know, telling people that he couldn't live without his family, so. Right. See, and I think that's one of the cases where if you were in a relationship like that, especially if there are children involved, and you know that the guy is maybe a little unstable, very unstable and controlling, that'd be a case where you want to maybe get the kids out of the house first and maybe or like not tell them face to face like i don't want to say that but same time i would uh, yeah i would take myself and take the kids and then the next morning or afternoon meet in a public place to serve him divorce papers and if yeah. I was in a relationship where I felt like he could have a mental breakdown and potentially harm me or my children. Yeah, if you knew he was aggressive, like, no. Controlling, paranoid. Yeah. <laughs> Cruel. Maybe we just feel like that's common sense because we listen to a lot of true crime, but, you yeah. know, it's sometimes <laughs> you gotta think it through, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this guy is paranoid, but we're kind of paranoid when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> yeah, Casey and I went today um, with Joe to marry him so Casey could drop off some decorations to somebody that brought them. So I'm sitting in the car, the car pulled up beside us, and Casey gets out, and I'm like, don't get kidnapped, and she just kind of looked at me, and she's like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> and I always meet at a public place, so. Yes. Oh, wow, that was a, I've never heard of that case. Well, I think I've heard of that case, but I've never really looked into it. Isn't that crazy? I'm still caught up the dog, Blue. I wonder where Blue is right now. 
what year was this taking place in? Uh, 2001, I believe. Luke's probably dead. Yeah, Just probably. Saying. Just saying. Well, maybe, remember Rags? Oh my god, that dog lived for Rags what, like, forever. 18 years? Yeah. That dog was old. That dog was ancient. <laughs> but yeah, that's an interesting case. I would say maybe, I don't think he made it to the Indian Reservation because I don't feel like they would protect a family killer. No, I don't think so either. And he doesn't have any ties to the Indians. No, so they would just take one look at him and be like, why the fuck are you hiding on our land? And then he'd be like, well, and they'd be like, bye. I think it's most likely, me personally, I think he committed suicide in one of the caves. Yeah, I think he died in the cave, but then another part of me thinks, like, he has some military experience. He sounds like he has some intelligence by the jobs he's held. I think he probably does have the skill set to create a new identity and get out of the country. But... You say some crazy people can do that. I do, too. Like, I can barely even plan out my day. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even know where to start. Like, how do you even steal an identity? Yeah, like, I'm lucky if I get to McDonald's and I have my debit card and don't have to turn around and go get it. Right? Let alone. You know how many times I've had to do that in the past year? <sighs> Too many. I would cry. Well, luckily I live, like, two minutes away from, like, McDonald's and Wendy's and stuff, so. I live, like, 20 minutes to the closest restaurant. <laughs> Fast food restaurant, at least. No. So, we hope you guys like our new format. Yeah. Um, yeah, they will have, like, a theme, which we didn't remember to mention at the beginning of the episode, but that's okay. It's going to be, like, this one was Family Killers. Oh, yeah. And then, like, we want to do stuff like, we want to do a Supernatural one, maybe, like, another Monsters one. Um, Ooh, yeah, monster. We still got to do Bigfoot. Or did we do Bigfoot? I don't I think remember. We did Bigfoot. Oh, okay. But like, I want to do, you know, episodes on like Hollywood doves or like episodes like Suicide or Not, like Marilyn Monroe and um, Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. I can't think of his name. <laughs> and like, there's just so many different things we want to do. So if you guys have suggestions, like Lincoln Park. Sorry, that was random. But Lincoln Park, remember all that stuff came out? Uh, yeah, Chester Bennington. Yeah, Chester. Chester. Yeah, that was, that was something else. I want to do a deep dive into that someday. If you guys haven't seen, there's stuff on Facebook that came out that is like this giant conspiracy theory that Chester was actually murdered. Because... I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was wild. You read and it kind of actually makes a little bit of sense. And you're like, oh, God, am I conspiracy theorist? There's a lot of conspiracies right now. We should do. There are. I don't even like it on Facebook anymore because I'm like. There's just so many. Yeah. But we should do one on conspiracy theories because I want to do one on birds aren't real. What's not real? Birds. Birds? Oh, oh my god. Okay. Hang on. <laughs> um, 
I don't know what that was. That was creepy. My TV, like, unpaused itself. Anyway. That was weird. Yeah. That was really, like, suspenseful music going on. <laughs> you know, it's, like, really that music of all the music. But I'll tell you a little bit about Birds Aren't Real right now because it is fucked up. And all right. Story time with Holly. Okay. So, basically, the conspiracy theory goes that in the time of Eisenhower, they killed off all the birds and replaced them with robots. So, birds are robots. Yeah, they think birds are robots than out in the world, too. No. We saw a dead bird today, Holly. You got stepped on it. And yeah, people have bought that, that up. They're like, out. huh? That bird was not a robot. It was a decaying body. <laughs> well, people have brought that up. They're like, no, now they're putting like little chips in them and stuff. And they make them look. They make them look like. Bird-like? Real. Yeah, like real on the inside. Which I'm okay. That, it's just the weirdest thing nobody could possibly believe that people do. And I love it. It's my favorite <laughs> conspiracy theory ever. Birds oh. aren't real people. All right. Well, we, we will do a whole episode about conspiracy theories. I'll <laughs> take your bird one and we'll go all over it. Oh my God. I love it. Like, the more you look into it, the more you're like, how do people believe this? I, I love <laughs> it. Like, I don't believe it. Just so you guys all know, birds are real. <laughs> they are not. Maybe there's some little robot birds out there mixed in with a bunch. But I think birds are real. But I just love it because it's just so out there. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe for our next episode, we'll do a conspiracy episode. Ooh. Ooh. But we're not going to do, like, any... I really want to do any, like, super... Heavy ones like 9 11 or the school shooting. No. Like, we're going to like political. That are just kind of out there. Yeah. And let's keep politics out of it too because that's really annoying right now. Ugh. God, don't even get me started on politics. <laughs> so, with that said, if you guys can, like we said in the beginning of the episode, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, get our podcast out there, yeah, listen so- to us everybody give us advice on what we need to prove on we, we're still learning <laughs> yeah we are give us suggestions of episodes you want to hear yeah you can email us at what the spook podcast at gmail.com find us on facebook at what the spook podcast or is it just what the spook i think it's what the spook i lied <laughs> you probably search what the spook and it'll pop up yeah instagram Instagram is What the Spook Podcast. The Facebook is What the Spook Podcast. (laughs) But yes, and then we're going to be making a Twitter page, and I think we're going to revamp the website, maybe? Oh, yeah, the website. We we talked about that a while ago, didn't we? Kind of revamp. Yeah, we did. Maybe make more blog posts on it, or make our our show notes on it do maybe we can do like a favorite corner oh that'd be interesting like look their favorite movie books podcasts tv yes. shows um i also want to mention this really cool website that i found that i got a lot of my information off it's called murder 
Murderpedia.org. Ooh, I like Pretty that. Pretty interesting. That's a lot of really good information. I got most of mine off of all that's interesting in Iowa cold cases. Ooh. Yeah. Do you see and one more thing about my case. If you guys go to the FBI website and search this Robert Fisher's guy's name, it has pictures of him, what he could look like now. Like they did a facial reconstruction of his face and everything to see what he could look like. I'm going to look it up right now. Right meow. They added him with facial hair because that's one of the things he, they said that he could have now to kind of hide his identity, his facial hair. Oh, wow. Wow, they have so many. They're like, we don't know what he's going to look like. We're going to add all these. They give you some options. They gave you a lot of options. Okay, I guess now that he's older, he does look like basically any guy you could see on the street. Right? And that's what I was saying. I was like, is that my neighbor? Yeah, he's six foot tall, though, so he's pretty tall. He is tall. 190 pounds, so he's relatively thin. Wow. Yeah, so just be on the look lookout for this guy. You probably would never see him because I don't think he's alive. But if you ever do, just call in a tip to the FBI. They really appreciate it, and you'll get $100,000. If your tip leads to something, right? Yes. To his arrest. You get $100,000 if your tip leads to the arrest of Robert William Fisher. Who are the 10 most wanted? That'd be an awesome episode, actually, to do the 10 most wanted. Yeah, do it like piece by piece, like five episodes of 10 most wanted. No. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Would it be five? Okay. Yeah, it'd be five episodes if we each do a case. Yeah. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? Yes. Oh, I already have it on my list. <laughs> oh, okay. I wrote it down when you were talking about it. That'd be pretty cool. That would be awesome. I don't. So yeah, if you go to the FBI website, they have a bunch of cool, interesting, maybe not cool, but they have a bunch of interesting information about this case and many other cases. Yeah. They have a lot, and it kind of... Which... Did we use we used the FBI website for the Samuel Little case too? Yeah, I think I usually try to check on the FBI website for information because I feel like that's where I'm gonna find the most reliable. Reliable, yeah, I can think of the word. But yeah. It wow. I'm looking through the most wanted now and it's all men. This one guy looks Amish. <laughs> He does. You well, maybe that's where he is. Maybe he's hiding with the Amish in Indiana, in Topeka, Indiana. Oh, is he murdered. Topeka that has all the Amish. Shipshawana. Shipshawana. I hate Shipshawana. Yeah, I don't really like going there either. We avoid it at all costs. But it's not very far from where we live. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh. Wow. We will post information about both these cases on our Facebook and Instagram and hopefully soon to be Twitter page. Yes, I'm going to get that figured out hopefully today or tomorrow. Well, probably tomorrow since it's kind of late because I go to bed at like 10 most days, 9 <laughs> most days. 
Me too. We're old. Making my note. I know a lot of people, mostly younger people that use Twitter, but um, yeah, if you have a Twitter, please look us up. I'm going to try to make it What the Spook podcast or What the Spook. And so we will get that situated, get that up. And we will hopefully be able to stick to our schedule we want. Casey does have some camping trips coming up. That we will have to try to work around those. But I think we kind of got it figured out when we're going to make the podcast. So, yep. And we're going to try to get these episodes released by Tuesday or Wednesday each week. Yeah. So you can expect that. Yeah. But we are human, so if we are off a couple weeks, I am sorry. Yeah, we are trying to get better. Yeah, we're busy adults. Um, We have, oh God, like two garage sales coming up that we're planning. Yes. Yeah. Garage sales. Trips. Trips. Ooh, our fall party. That's going to be super fun. Yes. We decided to do like an outdoor fall harvest party on Halloween. Did you tell Jeffy about that, by the way, so he doesn't make plans? No, I haven't. But maybe we could do a live episode yeah. on Facebook. Facebook Live. I bet Allison would like that. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, my God. We could do Lizzie Borden for that. Yeah. That'd be cool. Who would be we'll better cover than Lizzie fucking Borden? So, with that said, this is what the spook. My dog disappeared. Your dog's right there. No, my cute one. Oh, he's hiding because he saw me move the spray bottle. Okay, yes. <laughs> with that being said, thank you for listening to our ramblings again after we disappeared on a guy for like a while. <laughs> <laughs> we promise we're not going to do it again. We are back for good again. Yes, again. we have. <laughs> okay, we mean it this time, though. Last time we were kind of like, yeah, we're kind of back. This time we are back. We are uh, determined. We want to be the next morbid and crime junkie. Hell yeah. So help us get there. Like our shit. Share our, like shit, our shit. Listen to our shit. <laughs> Tell everybody that you know and that you meet and that you don't know about our shit. Uh, don't get murdered before you tell people about our shit. Make sure if they're trying to kill you, be like, hey, by the way, before you kill me, go listen to this podcast. What and the spook. What the spook. What those beer laugh words. I'm kidding. Don't don't get murdered. But um, anyway. Um, <laughs> what Thank you for listening. This has been an episode of What the Spook. Later. <laughs> <laughs> I want to end it with the spook part. Okay. <laughs>